Well, we're going to begin with uh, a little bit of a guessing game, okay? Uh, don't worry, this is not going to be too difficult to do. In fact, the answers, I should hope, will all be very, very obvious. Uh, but I want to describe someone, and I'd like you to see if you know who it might be. And, and feel free to call out the answer if you want. Here's the first one. You're in a big room. There's lots of people there. At the front, there's a man. He's wearing a black robe. He's got this funny white wig, and he picks up a little wooden hammer. He smacks it down with some final words. Who is he? He's a judge, a judge of some sort. That's right. He's like, pronouncing a sentence. Let's try another one. You're at Coles, okay? You're just down the street at the supermarket. You're near the baby section. And this frazzled man rushes in. Uh, his hair is a little bit messed up. There are dark circles under his eyes. Looks like he could make friends with his razor again, maybe have a shave. Uh, and he stares intently, motionless, at the range of nappies in the aisle. Who might he be? Could be. Could be Dave, yes. A new dad, okay? A new dad. He's probably on an emergency nappy run sent by mom. Or what about this one? You're sitting on a table in a small room. This woman comes over to you. She takes out a stethoscope. She puts it in her ears. She takes the uh, sounding piece, puts it on your chest, and asks you to breathe deeply. Who's she? She's a doctor. That's right. Okay. Well, one more. You're in a large and excited crowd. There's a woman in the crowd who's very, very unwell, and she touches this man who's the center of all the attention, and she's perfectly and instantly healed. And later you hear that he went to a home where people were grieving over this dead little girl, and he touched her, and she was brought back to life. Who do you think that person is? Well, you're calling out Jesus because we know on this side of the cross that it's Jesus. Uh, but imagine if you were there at that time. Who is this man that would do these sort of things? Well, we're going to bounce between these two miracle stories today. Okay, so we've got one long story, but really there are two miracles in it. Uh, if you do have a Bible to open, feel free to have it there. As we bounce through, I'll have most of it on the screen. Uh, but the first thing that we see here as we learn about Jesus is that Jesus connects with us through faith. He connects with us through faith. And so let's briefly look at our two main characters. Uh, we're going to start with Jairus, and we read that he was a synagogue ruler. And that means that he oversaw the building, he oversaw their worship. Uh, he would have been a man of pretty high standing, high status in their community. But what does he do? Seeing Jesus... He fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. He's begging Jesus to save his dying child. This is the way that he comes to Jesus, how he approaches him. Now let's think about our other main character, the sick woman. It tells us in verse 28 that she thought... If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. That's what's on her mind as she approaches Jesus for help. But the question is, what do these two people have in common? It has to be more than them just believing that Jesus can heal. 
I mean, everyone at this time knew that. That's one of the reasons why Jesus was so popular right now. It's why he was being followed by this large crowd of people everywhere that he went. Uh, He was pretty much, at this point in his earthly ministry, a celebrity among the people because of all the healings and miracles and other fantastic things that they saw him do. And so this crowd wanted in on that. There were people there who wanted healings. They just knew that was part of what Jesus did. And so that means then that we need to look a little more closely at the details here. After Jesus heals the woman, look at what he says to her in verse 34. Daughter, your faith has healed you. It's not just a knowledge of Jesus' power here, but faith. And as we look at at Jairus, uh, we're told that before Jesus gets to his daughter, news comes that the little girl had died. And so the people say to Jesus, Uh, to Jairus' story, there's no need to bother with Jesus anymore. Like, he can't really help you now. That's what they're saying. But look at what Jesus says to Jairus on the screen there. Don't be afraid. Just believe. And so the man ignored those messengers. He listened to Jesus. He brought him to his dead child. This was faith in action. Somehow, these two people, Jairus and the sick woman, they were very different from the crowd. They weren't like everyone else there in this scene. Somehow they had a real faith in Jesus that went beyond him as the popular figure who was just going to give them good things. Went beyond him as the talk of the town. See, one thing that they had in common was that they had reached a point of desperation. The little girl was on her deathbed. She didn't just have a cold, okay? She was dying, Medicine had failed, completely failed, this bleeding woman. But here we see a faith in the person of Jesus himself. Somehow they knew that he himself was the answer. But as we think about this, let's not think that faith then is somehow like a genie in a bottle, okay? It's not as if these people here, they they mustered so much great faith that they just tapped into Jesus' power. Okay, they didn't say any special words. Uh, we don't read that they had lived such a good life that now Jesus was rewarding them. We don't see any of that sort of thing here. In fact, if we look closely, their faith was far from perfect. The woman had wanted to just get away with grabbing Jesus' cloak. She trembled when she came before him. Uh, Jairus, he didn't come to Jesus expecting the dead to be raised. He wanted a healing hand to restore his sick girl. So what's happening here? We see that faith, it's not based on how excellent our faith is, but on who our faith is in. By God's grace, these people were given a faith in Jesus himself, beyond in just what he could do for them. And you know, that's how faith works for all of us. It's not about how much faith we can muster up. It's not about whether we have this faith that wavers or doesn't waver. It's not about if we ever have doubts. True faith is always about the object of our faith. So thinking about the woman again, when she touched Jesus, he said, who touched my clothes? Now the disciples thought this was just crazy. I mean, how could Jesus single out one person when a large crowd was already pressing in on him? I mean, there were people already touching his clothes. 
Now, I believe it's quite possible, of course, that Jesus already knew the answer. But he wanted her to come before him and acknowledge what she did. He wanted to connect with her. He wanted it to be not just about an exchange of healing power, but for this to happen within relationship by showing that what had happened was a faith in him. Your faith in me has healed you. That's what he's saying. Not some request for a popular miracle worker to simply make life better. Friends, do you have faith in Jesus? That's really the question here. It's actually possible to understand the Bible, you know, to get to, to, to know the facts of the, of the gospel, to go to church, to even admire Jesus, but to not know him like this. Our faith has to be in Jesus himself. Or do you sometimes say, oh, I just wish I had more faith? Now, don't get me wrong, that's a really good thing to wish for. It's a good thing to want. But the problem is, is that's the only way that you see it. It's that it's measuring the quality of faith by how much of it you have. But that's just not how it works. Faith is an expression of a relationship with Jesus himself. Part of my own conversion story reminds me about the role of faith. I'll give you the simple version for now, because if I give you the long one, we'll have a very, very long service. So let's keep it to normal length. Uh, But I was first exposed to Christianity when I traveled to Australia as a backpacker in the mid-90s. And during that trip, God put Christians everywhere in my my way. I mean, on my path, everywhere I went, it was just crazy looking back on it now. It's fantastic. You know, and so I, I had all this exposure to these Christian people, and I saw who they were and, you know, what they believed, and I saw their lives, and it meant that when I left Australia to go back to Canada, I found myself wanting to know a bit more. And uh, that led to a curiosity about Christianity, led to me uh, starting to look at the Bible for myself a little bit. Occasionally, I attended a church uh, and even reading some books on Christianity. And uh, this took place for at least a year, maybe a year and a half. And, uh, you know, I was growing in my knowledge, but there was one conversation that brought it all together for me. I was telling a Christian about my journey so far. You know, I intellectually understood a whole lot about Christianity at this point. Uh, I knew the basics of the gospel. I could even answer some really tricky questions even then. Uh, But this person said to me something like this. He said, you know, there's nothing more anyone can tell you. You just have to allow yourself to believe. Now, I know those words aren't perfect. You know, it's God's work in my heart that would help me to make that step. It's only him who can enable that. Uh, But what this man was really saying to me was, you've got to look to Jesus himself. You've got to just rest your faith in him. Don't be afraid. Just believe. It has to be about knowing him. And this happened for me back in November 1997. Now, has my faith felt perfect every single day since then? No. I'm a sinful man in a broken world. Has there been ups and downs with my faith? Of course there have been. Have there ever been doubts? Let me tell you, there have been whole seasons of doubt. But in all of this, I know it's not about me. Not about the faith that I've mustered up. 
It's about what Jesus has done. It's about him. It's about me being brought into a relationship with him. And so my faith is in him and what he has done and in his strength holding me. And that's what he wants from us. Jesus connects with us through faith in himself. So that's the first thing we see here in these miracle stories. A second is that Jesus' power comes wrapped in compassion. It's full of compassion. Let's look at the woman's story a little more. Uh, Verses 25 and 26 tell us, And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Now, this woman had some sort of continual hemorrhaging. Uh, Many people believe it was some sort of bleeding from her uterus or something like that. And uh, it went on for 12 years, and no doctor could help her. She spent all of her money searching for a cure. In the end, it was only getting worse. But to make her story even more challenging... Old Testament law tells us that this sort of regular and continuous bleeding uh, made her ritually unclean. In the culture of her day, she was an outcast. Okay? She couldn't go to the synagogue and worship. If this was in, the say, in modern day, she couldn't come to church, to say it that way. Okay? Nobody would even touch her at the risk of being contaminated by her. You know, she wasn't much different from the lepers. And so here we have this rejected woman. She's feeling unloved. She's feeling worthless, poor for the medical costs. Her condition is getting worse. And she was hopeless until Jesus came along. And she found that she had a faith in him. But still, she needed to reach him. And she knew the risks of being in the crowd and the horror of the people if they knew that she was unclean. Can you imagine their reaction if they knew they were pressing in on her? And so she secretly touches Jesus in the midst of the crowd. She probably thought she was going to slip away unnoticed. But you can never go unnoticed with Jesus. To her surprise, he started to ask, well, who touched my clothes? What do you think was going through her mind then? Oh, is he going to reject me like everyone else? Well, Jesus said to her what no one else ever had. Look at verse 34 with me, please. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This is the character of Jesus. This this healing miracle was wrapped in absolute compassion. Notice that the creator of the universe addresses her as daughter. My child, you are okay now. You have believed in me. Go in peace. Rejoin the community. Live as a whole person again. I am giving you way more than you ever expected, and I'm publicly showing everyone that I have cleansed you. You're cleansed by me. Mother Teresa, when she was alive, uh, she worked with some of the poorest and the sickest people of our world. And when she was asked what the worst disease was, she answered, it's not AIDS, leprosy, or cancer, but loneliness. 
the outcasts of our world have more than a disease. They have no one to love them. But Jesus loves the unloved just as he did with this woman here. See the same compassion in the story of Jairus. Look with me again in verse 36. Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. Now think about what was going on in that man's mind. He had just fallen before Jesus in desperation, and then he had heard that his child had died. How would you feel? I know there are people in our church family who have faced this very thing. I cannot imagine what that must be like. Jairus probably felt like his whole world was collapsing, that he couldn't go on, that part of himself had died as well. And Jesus, he just ignored all of the other voices. He turned all of his attention to this hurting man, and he says, don't be afraid. Your world hasn't ended, Jairus, because I am in total control. And I find this phrase so astounding. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Just have faith in me. And Jesus went with him. He took the girl uh, by the hand. He told her to get up, raising the child from the dead. And there's one other detail here, too, that we shouldn't miss. Uh, Jesus' words in the original language, Talitha Kum, as we read here in Mark 5, they address the girl personally and with love. He's speaking like a parent speaking to their child. Isn't the picture of Jesus with this girl and Jairus and her family one of absolute compassion? Friends, let's be careful to never separate the gospel from the character of God. Sometimes we hear the gospel explained just as a set of facts. And yes, it is true that Jesus died for sin. He stood in our place. He took our condemnation and the wrath that we deserve. He brings new and eternal life. All of this is our wonderful truth. We don't ever want to to minimize that at all. But let's also not forget how John 3.16 begins. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Well, what about 1 John 4.10? This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for sins. As we read these miracles of Jesus, we get a glimpse into the very heart of God. We even get a foretaste of the gospel and that we are seeing healing and resurrection bathed in love. It's not just the power to save, but sacrificial love leading to salvation. Do you know Jesus as the one with absolute compassion? There is no other God like him. Search the world, you will not find one. Let me suggest taking some time to reread these miracle stories over this week and turn that into prayers of thanks and praise that God would love us in this way and look again to the cross and the empty tomb and see this same compassionate character of Jesus there. So these stories show us that Jesus connects with us through faith. 
We see that his power comes with this wonderful compassion. And now finally we're going to see that Jesus has ultimate power. Ultimate power. Now we'll look at this just briefly because we've covered a lot of this already in the earlier parts. But if you are looking along in a Bible, can you see a word that's repeated in verses 29 and 42? Just have a look for a moment. Verses 29 and 42. In both cases, it says that immediately they were cured. The woman knew for sure that it wasn't, you know, the latest medicine now finally kicking in or something like that. Uh, She felt inside that Jesus healed her perfectly and instantly and completely. And it says that the girl's parents were astonished. Of course they were. A moment later, her body was lifeless. She was cold. There were mourners wailing. People were overcome with grief. Doctors had failed. Death had claimed another life. But in having ultimate power, Jesus has control over life and death. He can transform. He can bring new life, even when a person is beyond hope. Here we see him at work in the most desperate of situations. There are no limits to his power. He has ultimate power. But as we think about this, weren't we hopeless and dead before knowing Jesus? Isn't sin a disease that doesn't have any cure apart from him? Ephesians 2, 1 to 5 puts it uh, like this. And, And listen to the same language as we have here in these stories in Mark 5. The same ideas. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. You see how helpless we were before Jesus. But, now here's the compassion coming in, mixed with this great power. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. We were dead. Jesus is not just a powerful miracle worker, but he's the only one who can save the hopeless from sin and death. Miracle stories don't end in Mark 5. Every single one of us who has faith in Jesus, we are a miracle story. We've been given new life where there was death. Only Jesus can save us. Only one more powerful than death could die on the cross and come back again, reigning as Lord of the universe. It's not just the people in this story who need him, but everyone, because everyone who does not follow Jesus is a dead man walking. So these stories also remind us of the bigger truth that we know. The most powerful being reached out to those around him with a love like none other. This is who we are privileged to know. Jesus has the same love for me and you. When we are helpless, he reaches out his hand. These miracles show us that Jesus is the one who we can have faith in. They show us that 
He's full of compassion to show us who's most powerful. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son as its savior, the one who says to us all, don't be afraid, just believe. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you so much. Thank you that you've given us Mark 5 in your Bible, that you give us these stories that remind us of exactly who Jesus is. And we thank you as we read these words, we see his love and his compassion. We see his help for the helpless and hopeless. We see him doing what's absolutely impossible in, in healing the sick and bringing the dead back to life. We see his care. We see his wisdom. We see you in action. Lord, we ask that as we read Mark chapter 5, it won't stop with just a story, but we'll see how this plays out in our lives. That without Jesus, we are dead, but in him we have new life. Without Jesus, we're helpless and hopeless, but he's the one who reaches in by his grace. Father, change us by these stories. Point us to your truth. Enlarge our hearts and make us more like him, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.